What's up, guys? It's the Awkward Dreadhead, and I got Olivia here. Olivia, say what's up. Hey. Amanda, say what's up. Hello. Okay. All right. So we are going to talk about something that I think is actually actually fucking important. Um, sexual harassment in the workplace, and then we're going to talk about some some stuff that um in the black community. But we're going to start with sexual harassment. Um, the first thing I wanted to kind of ask you guys, have any of you guys ever been like sexually harassed in the, uh, workplace? Amanda, I'm going to start with you. Absolutely. Wait, like more than once or like, I would say, I'm going to say about, uh, 20% of the jobs. Olivia? Uh, I have not, at least not anything that I would consider to be sexual harassment anyway. That's actually, I'm glad that you said that, um, um, Olivia. Amanda, what, what, to, what is sexual harassment in your eyes? I mean, sexual harassment to me is, I mean, as I interpret the definition is anything that could come off as lewd um any statements um or like passes made at you that make you feel uncomfortable you know and even if they don't make you feel uncomfortable it's still sexual harassment okay so you so if someone so if someone asks asks you out if someone asks you out uh would that be considered sexual harassment um i'm going to say no but if they say something disrespectful, then that's going to cross the line. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, let's say, for example, you know, we worked at the same office and you've had a crush on me and we're, we're eating lunch together and you respectfully say, hey, you know, I like talking to you. Do you think you'd like to catch dinner sometime? I would not call that sexual harassment. Now, this is what sexual harassment to me. Um, I used to work at a moving company. So three girls to so many males. And, you know, I'd have um, like movers text messaging me saying, you know, do you have a boyfriend? And I would say, oh, yeah, that's sexual harassment. But here's where it gets worse. They would say one guy, I remember him saying, well, I'm glad you don't because I get really turned on when I think about you. That's oh, oh, That's you, bad. you want to know, you want to know. And like, so real quick, Amanda, put a pin in that. Yeah. I want to tell you the specific reason I, I asked you and Olivia on the podcast. Okay. Do you guys, do you guys remember when we were playing, um, an, an online that like we were playing online trivia. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember how we got on the subject, but you mentioned you you mentioned saying something that I would never dance. I would never strip or sell my news to ugly men. But if it's if, but if it's attractive men, I have no problem with that. Or if an attractive man was hitting on me, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Olivia and Amanda, do you both remember saying that? Yeah, we practiced. Um, oh, yeah. That was okay. I You can't no 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 wait. You can't say it was a joke. You can't say it was no, a no, joke. No, no, that's not that's not what I was going to say. 
I was going to ask you to, I, I think you're taking it out of context, but I want to know where you're going first before I accuse you of taking it out of context. Well, when when you guys said that, I mean, I kind of just like, okay, I was like, okay, you know, whatever. But like, there's this thing out there called the Tom Brady syndrome. It's, um, it's called, well, okay, I'm sorry. Do you guys know who Tom Brady is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's this thing called the Tom Brady syndrome. One time when Tom Brady was on SNL, there was a skit where this, you know, ugly co-worker was hitting on girls and it was like, it was a problem and they went to HR about it. But then when Tom Brady came, it wasn't, it wasn't sexual harassment. It was just, you know, it was just flattery. And so I wonder a lot of, a lot of times, you know, is sexual harassment it's sexual harassment specific to specific to who you like as a as you know who you're attracted to. Yeah, because part of the definition, the actual legal definition, is that it's unwanted. Well, those yeah. women wanted it from Tom Brady. That's okay. They found him hot. They don't want it from Joe Schmo, who they find unattractive. If it's if it's an unwanted, similar to the situation that Amanda was explaining with the date. You know, if you ask me on a date once, that's fine. But I, I told you, no, I don't want to go on a date with you. So if you keep asking me, it is now unwanted. It's now sexual harassment. Yeah, Olivia said okay. it perfectly. And just to, to bounce off that, at least from my perspective, for me, it doesn't matter if I think that you're a beautiful person. Like if we don't have already an established relationship where that is allowed a relationship or friendship in general if you're just coming out wait <laughs> amanda what, what what friendship is a guy texting you saying hey i i find it sexy whenever i think about you i don't think i've ever texted you that before no but if if i have an established relationship with somebody like i mean it's perfectly fine for my boyfriend to say that he never does though no shade but <laughs> <laughs> Wait! <laughs> oh my god. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? But it's not I'm okay. Okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm editing cool. that out. I'm editing that out. Like, no way. I'm letting... Podcast. That makes it cool. <laughs> oh, no, I think that's fine. I think, you know... You live and you learn. Now he knows what's going You live and you learn. You live you learn. You're right. Go ahead, Amanda. <laughs> you know, just to cap it off, like, okay, if a guy that looks like Tom Brady said that to me and I didn't know him like that, you know, like that, I would be like, who does this man think he is? Hmm, he's attractive. Hmm. And I'd have to, I'd have to think about it to, to determine if it was okay or not. Like, but my gut reaction is, oh my gosh, did that person really say that to me? But then again. I kind of hate men a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's I have to go back to something Amanda had said, and that's sometimes even if you don't deem it unwanted, it can still be considered sexual harassment just for the fact that it creates a, uh, it could create a hostile or, I'm gonna say awkward. I think the legal definition is a hostile work environment, but I'm also gonna say awkward. So for instance, um, I did work one place where this girl thought it was like funny to go around showing pictures of someone with like a butt plug in. I don't know if it was her, I don't know who it was, but I think that's gross. I didn't think it was like, I didn't take it personally. I wasn't about to be like, oh my gosh, this is harassment. But I know that that's like inappropriate to be showing people in the workplace. And I would consider that sexual harassment. 
Yeah, like if somebody filed a suit against her, they'd have something to work with. They would. Yes, they would. <laughs> well, let me let me ask let me ask this. Let me ask this. Do you think do you think it's do you think it's unfair? I guess it's, I guess I can't say unfair because the statistics show it's not they don't, it doesn't happen. But do you think the first the first thing I'm going to ask is do you guys think sexual harassment happens uh, as often as it's as it's stated in like media and like you know maybe uh, water tour talk. I think it happens more often than when it's stated. There's so many people who, you know, something happens to them and they don't they don't want to talk about it for so many reasons. Um, and so it's probably understated. So um, there is a study. Um, there was there's two. There was one in 2013 and one in 2015. One by Harvard uh, Business and then the other one by Villanova, where they were the University of Villanova, where they were studying like how often um, sexual harassment happens. It actually happens on both sides as evenly. Only difference is men don't report it as often. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Men don't men, men don't report it as often. So, so for example, a female, a female can um, uh, one one thing the studies show, I think it was in two, the one in two thousand thirteen, it showed that women um make a have a lot of certain type of conversations, and um, it can be considered sexual harassment. But men don't men don't um, report it as often. Like w- women make more uh, um, sexual su- sexually suggestive comments, or they do a lot of um, uh, gossiping at work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Versus like what happened versus men. Yeah, versus men who might make su- sexually suggestive comments or unwanted advances towards women. <laughs> Yeah. So you were saying, okay. So you're saying that women are more likely to make like some comments or to gossip in a way that would make, could make a man certain or certain person feel sexually harassed, but men are more likely. Well, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't just say a man. I would say, because it didn't, it it wasn't technically, yeah, anyone, basically. It It didn't just target men. It was basically, um, you know that women make suggestive and yeah. suggestive comments, and that they gossip a lot. That make that make um, other people uncomfortable. Whereas, like like for for example, one of the instances said that women sometimes will huddle up and start whispering to each other. Yeah, and that makes and that makes other employees feel uncomfortable because they might it might feel like they're talking about them or they're like. It's creating division within the workplace. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can, yeah. Can you like? Can you go off that I point? I can see that, right? I, I'm not going to argue the validity that women um, do that. <laughs> they probably do. Being a woman, I'm sure I've, I've been guilty of that. Um, but I would say that in terms of how that trickles into sexual harassment claims, I think men are more likely to underreport, possibly just because of the stigma of being a man and being a victim of sexual harassment might, you know, 
I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Like, whenever there's always, there, whenever there's something being considered as sexual harassment, and like, I think, when, like, whenever I've had conversation with men about it, men are like, well, you know, it's not a big deal. Like, whatever. Yeah. We'll handle it. Yeah. We'll handle it. Whereas women are like, you know, no, I'm going to go and you know, bring this up to an Yeah, but even, even still to the point that you were saying, so like, let's say there's a chatty patty in the office and she thinks it's cool to gossip about people's sex lives or gossip about the guy in the office that she thinks might have a big penis or any of that, right? Like she thinks mm-hmm. the man who she's gossiping about, like I said, he may not want to report it because of the stigma attached to it. And then the woman may also not want to report it because she might feel like, oh, I should be able to, like, these are just mean girls and I'm reporting it like I'm telling on it, like telling a teacher on her or something. I think there's just a stigma attached for both in that type of situation where neither would be encouraged to report it. Okay. I don't know if, I I don't know about that that stigma part. I don't know about the stigma part for men. Um... From the conversations I have, I don't know if it's a stigma. I don't know you about the stigma. You think it's just that they think it's not a big deal? Yeah, I think I think okay. a lot of men just like I think a lot of men like every time I've been like in the workplace and I've seen it happen. Like the same if 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 a man did what this girl did, this girl might go to HR. But whereas a man's like, eh, it's not a big deal. I, I I don't really I don't really care. Whatever. Blah blah blah. You know, like I I think I think women are allowed to kind of get away with that for the for simple fact that I just don't think men care enough I, to go and like I'll agree with it. you on that um, but I do want to say first I, I do think there's probably still some portion of men who will say they don't care but really they care they're just afraid of being called like a little bit or, you know what I mean okay being called that could, that so they're going to say they don't care true. but really they might yeah and then there's probably men who I, actually don't care <laughs> Yeah, I think I think like the, all my years of working, I went to HR one time, and that was only because the girl um, was underage, oh. and she was making yeah, oh, she was yeah. making like um, you know she was making inappropriate gestures towards me. So I I mean I only literally went because I didn't want to get in trouble with like the law. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I could see that if she had a crush on you, and then out of nowhere, you know, yeah. Want to be a kid again. And that's another thing too. That's another thing too. Like, like, like when women when women get into relationships with uh with people in the workplace, and maybe you guys can speak to this. But like when women get into relationships with men in the workplace, um, a lot of um, companies um, are they they have an issue with that because um. So, like the woman can claim sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Now, can you, if, if you let me, can you, either one of you let me know, like, how can that be sexual harassment in that when it's two, when it's two people getting together and then they just break up? Like, how could that be considered sexual harassment? Mm, I want to say that more the HR nightmare comes into it more often when the people are in different rankings. So, there's the fear that these two people are in a relationship because the person of higher ranking, whether it be the man or the woman, coerced the other person into the relationship because the other, like say it's your director. Say you and your director are consensually dating, but the fear is that you agree to date your director because your director has the power to give you a raise, a promotion, a good review, 
Um, and so that's where. They- yeah, but that shouldn't be considered sexual harassment, though. It, but it is. It's called a quid pro quo, right? Isn't, isn't that what it's called? Oh. Do for you if you do for me. So the coercion would come in if your director said, if you go on a date with me, Charles, I'll give you that raise you wanted. And while that may not be going on, HR doesn't know that. Okay. Um, yeah, like, I, I I always wondered that about that. The, the, the reason why... The reason why um, I actually brought this up is because of two situations. Um, I'm sorry, well, let's, I'm bring up one situation. A girl was going around um, her job and she was hugging. She will always hug her employees, so she would go around the the, the, um, the store and she would hug. She would like hug like you know all her employees. Just hey, how you doing? And give them a hug and everything like that. And one of the and one of the um, guys. Um, you know, took advantage and felt her up, or whatever the case may be. Oh, I specifically told told her like, "Hey, don't go around hugging your employees because you can be in a certain, you can put you in a certain situation." And she kept on doing it, and this is what happened. She complained to to management, and then the dude the dude got fired. I, where where when when does the responsibility of yourself come into play when it comes to sexual harassment i mean it you should always take care of yourself i'm not gonna say like oh she was asking for it but you know you trying to be a good co-worker and advise her hey it's not a good idea for you to be hugging people somebody might take it the wrong way somebody might be offended or somebody might assault you which is what happened to her you know, um, got to look out for number one first. But so while I say, yes, she had a responsibility to take care of herself overall, she did not ask to be felt up. Okay, guys, um, well, we're, we're back. Uh, Olivia is still with me. Uh, Olivia, say hey. Hey. Okay, so um, Olivia, so I want to get back to kind of what we were talking about when it comes to sexual harassment in the workplace. Now, real quick, let me recap for anybody who didn't really hear. Um, hear um, we talked about uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, personally, I feel there's no balance, but whatever. Um, but but um, I brought the scenario where every day a girl goes around to her coworkers. And you know, hugs all her coworkers, and um, I use this example of you know putting herself in the bad situation. You know, if you know when someone takes advantage of her or violates her, she wants to go and complain about it. Then you brought up uh, a scenario. Um, can can you explain your scenario because I don't want to I don't want to misspeak. Yeah, no. I mean, I want to start by saying like it's probably not the most perfect. Uh, comparison it's really just to illustrate a point and so I I don't want to confuse anyone because we are talking about two very different matters Um, one is sexual harassment in the workplace the other one is sexual assault outside of the workplace Um, but just you know you your sentence about um, women putting themselves in situations I guess is what kind of triggered this story to come to mind yeah um but basically and like without expanding upon it too much because it is a sensitive topic it was basically one of my friends um 
she, you know, like her and I have gone out many times um, and we have a habit if someone is like a little too intoxicated to drive home, you can sleep at the other person's house and then get in your car the next day and go home safely. Um, so she's done that with me. I've done that with her. It's it's our norm. And so she went to go hang out with one of her male friends and she like, you know, left his, her car at his house and uh, they called an Uber downtown, went out with a group of people, had a good time. She drank a little too much. And so I guess, I, I don't know how it was agreed upon or what happened, but, um, you know, it, she ended up sleeping off the alcohol at his house because she, she couldn't drive home. Um, and when she woke up in the morning, there were signs on her body that she'd been sexually assaulted and she was alarmed and upset and kind of just jumped in her car and ended up going home. Okay, um, that's that now, now this part I did not hear. All I, all I, cause I and, and I totally understand like you didn't really want to get into it because it's a personal, uh, a personal thing. But yeah, of course. All, all I heard the first time was she went out and she went out and she had got, you know, you know, if someone, you know, if someone said that, oh, if you didn't go out with those guys, this wouldn't have happened. Now, this. Yeah, so that's what, that's really where the story culminates is that's where my point comes from is um, when, so she told me about it. And of course I was like shocked and concerned, but she told one of her other friends about it. And it actually was a male friend that she told about it. And he told her that he didn't feel bad for her that she put herself in that situation. Well, yeah, that's that guy's a complete fucking asshole. No. Well, so that's where but that's where my parallel came in is like, you know, if um with you saying, well, women put themselves in bad situations, it's kind of like it gets really gray. It's a slippery slope of where where you draw that line. I mean, you 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 can say that about the woman who was hugging her coworkers, but then, you know, the guy that said that to my friend, he's an asshole. It's like, well, what if he would call you an asshole for saying that the coworker shouldn't have been hugging her coworkers? I mean, I, per I, I mean, I personally feel like we all have to use, at the end of the day, use logic. I mean, I mean, if if you if you if someone wants to compare someone hugging someone at the uh, um, a, a female coworker going around hugging her coworkers, to compare that to a woman waking up, being you know you know seeing visible signs of being assaulted. I mean. I'm, I mean, that, yeah. guy, that, that person has no fucking stance. I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. When when she told me that her other friend had said that to her, I was very angry. And we, that person, um, and so that tells you, I think that tells you something about how we felt about it. But I trying to make comes in is that these these two acts, you know, hugging a male coworker or sleeping off the alcohol at someone's house are two acts that ended in sexual harassment and sexual assault, respectively, and they shouldn't have. And I think you can agree, and I think anyone can agree that they, they shouldn't have. Um, and Yeah, I, uh, I mean, uh, getting back to the sexual, the, uh, getting back to sexual harassment um, at the workplace, I think my only, my only issue is with that is there are no lines. There, there are no lines. I don't think it's okay for a woman to go around hugging a hugging um um coworkers, and just because those men don't say anything, it's okay. I just don't think that's right because men aren't going to say say anything. Men aren't going to go and complain to HR about these about these specific things. It's just mm -hmm. not going to happen. I mean, I mean, literally. 
two days ago, an old woman came into our office and she was making sexual um, suggestive comments toward me. And then just and then just yesterday, I was like, I was like, man, that was weird. She was making all these sexual um, comments about. It. He was like, are you uncomfortable by it? I was like, ah, I mean, it was just weird. Like, I mean, I guess it didn't make me uncomfortable. Just, I mean, it did make me uncomfortable. It was just weird, you know. It's like, do you want to report? I'm like, nah, it's not. It's not a big deal. You know, like that's how men. That's how yeah. most men are going to think. So that's why I'm saying, like, when it comes to sexual harassment at work, there yeah. needs to be rules and fine lines whereas just because someone doesn't doesn't feel doesn't like feel it is if it's if it's sexual whether it's wanted or unwanted it still needs to be outlawed in the workplace and i feel like okay that's that's, that's what i'm saying i, feel I see like- yeah i see where you're coming from and yeah um i i think i think there is a fine line but i think there's a i think there's a fine line to walk n- no matter the the context honestly in, inside the work and outside the work um and i, I do want to stay focused on inside the work because that yeah yeah um but i just think i think that when it comes to these matters though there's there's always some gray area and there's always a fine line and y- you want to be able to you want to be who defines that gray, that, that, was, that gray area who sorry defines that gray, who defines that gray area I don't know, honestly. I, I mean, I, those aren't the answers I have. I, yeah. I was gonna say is that I, you wanna you you wanna be able to like look at your female coworker and who's hugging her coworkers and be like, that's so nice, you know, because it sounds just so nice and innocent. But but instead, we end up looking at her and being like, you shouldn't do that because someone might take it the wrong way. And I think that sucks. But I mean, that is the reality of the world we live in. And so there is all this room for a gray area, and there is all this room for interpretation. And I think you and I, even in the conversation about this before, had agreed that erring on the side of caution is usually best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like, like there were like, I mean, I would say maybe like two years ago, I was saying to my, I was saying to myself, like men and women shouldn't be working in the same, the same fear, like the same environment. Like I, like, I know that makes no sense. And I know that, that that's not logically um sound but at the end of the day like there's so many there's so many behaviors that that are so that just clash when it comes to men and women working together sometimes that it could get very it can get very messy you know because i know that whenever i work around um a whole bunch of men whenever i work around a whole bunch of men there's not like a lot of gossiping, a lot of like, you know, whispering, not, not, there's not a lot of people going to management or HR. There's not, there's not a lot of like, you know, stuff like that. But then when you work around a lot of women, you know I mean? There's not, there's, there's, I mean, I don't know if this is a rude or anything, but like, there's not a lot of com- being competitive. Like, you know, a lot of women aren't trying to like, you know, step over you. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in that. That that might be and so I don't know. But like there's not there's a lot of uh, gossiping. There's a lot of whispering. There's a lot of like just, you know, going to management about little things that shouldn't really be a big deal. It just there just seems like a lot of things that can clash. Obviously that you know of uh, you know men and women you know, not working together it makes no goddamn yeah. sense. I know, <laughs> I know that you've had that that opinion. Um we've talked about this before um i don't i (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
I really just think it's about learning work together, learning how learning how to treat other people the, the way they want to be treated. You know, they always have the golden rule to treat other people the way you want to be treated, but really the better rule is to treat other people the way they want to be treated. Um, exactly. I think we can avoid a, a lot of issues if that's the way we operate, not just in the workplace, but in life. Um, and, and I think in general, I don't think, I think you have to approach, approach it as like, uh, to, like I said, to go back to the woman who's hugging people, like, you know, is she, is she asking people they want to be hugged? <laughs> no, she's not. She's, she's that, you know, she's got to treat, she's got to treat people the same way that I'm sure she w- wouldn't want someone groping her and she wouldn't then want someone say, oh, well, she, she shouldn't have put herself in the situation. You know, maybe she should also ask like, oh, do you want a hug? <laughs> and like, yeah, it really just comes back to treating people the way they want to be treated and figuring out what boundaries are, especially especially in the workplace. In fact, boundaries in the workplace, I, I would argue, are even more important just because not even sexual harassment aside, but like boundaries with your time, boundaries with your workload, everything. So that's all. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, um, Olivia, do you have uh, five, six more minutes? I do. Okay, so um, I was literally having a conversation with someone last night about the pay wage gap. And I was like, you know what? I want to ask Olivia, like, I just want to, I want to, I want to get your, your stance on it because like, I didn't know what to tell a person because I didn't know what, what your stance was on. Like, you, you know who the person is, Okay. but um, um, I wanted to get your stance on it. I didn't really know what it was. Can you please tell me? Uh, what do you, what, if, okay, you, you believe the wage gap exists. Why do you think it exists? Why you think, like, what do you think perpetrates it? So, I mean, you're kind of catching me off guard a little bit, because... Oh, I'm no, Listen, listen, for the, for the last one, you know, you let me do some research. Um, and I'll say that as far as the pay wage gap, my all my information about it to date has not been anything that I've purposely researched. It's really just been things I've heard on the news. Um, and and in and in the media in general. Okay, okay. I'm inclined to, but like you know, that aside, sources sources aside, I'm inclined to believe that it does exist. Um, because women weren't. You have to remember that women weren't weren't really in the workplace. Um, when men were, it, there was like this. I think it was in the '80s that women really began to have a presence in the workplace. And so... Wait, so real quick, are you, when you say that, who, are you saying that... Who are you saying, um, you know, prevented them from working? Society? I don't know. I mean, that that's not, that's not something I think I can definitively answer. I just know, okay. like, you know, the historically my the first thing i think of is like you know the 50s women were homemakers they were in the house they were cooking and cleaning and taking care of the kids and men went to work and i know that that persisted beforehand and i know that that persisted for a little while afterward and even today there's families still structured that way maybe because they want to be maybe because they feel like they have to be or who, who knows maybe it's a slew of reasons but um the i do i do know that 
you know, there wasn't a large female presence in the workplace until what, the latter half of the 1900s. So we're talking about after 1950, so somewhere in the 70s or 80s, I think. I guess, I guess where, where I'm kind of losing this is like, like you're talking about, you're talking about an era where that was different from, from this era. Yeah. So you know, what I'm getting at is that usually the reasons for things, this is just general. Usually the reasons for things is because there's a historical context. Like things don't just spring out of thin air. There has to be a sequence of events that lead to them. And so what I'm trying to get at, and I'm probably losing you because like I said, I don't have the research so I can't give you hard numbers. I'm just kind of sure. looking back into my knowledge and figuring out, putting the pieces together. But what I would say is that there is a historical context for the pay wage gap. And that is why I will have no. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> because that like like cause that because you actually threw me off because I was because I can I can understand like the 1950s 1900s like but like I mean like just thinking like getting getting out of high school you know 2009 like where like nobody like I don't I, I, it's baffling to me to see a woman saying I'm getting paid less than a man and I mean because I don't know okay so let's 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 do a hypothetical uh people might want to fact check this sure they can I'm not saying it's factually correct so whatever but let's say women gained a large presence in the workplace in the 80s right we're 2020 we're talking 40 years the length of someone's career is let's see people work till the 65 uh people got out of high school at 18 let's say they went to work at 18 because college wasn't huge or if we're talking about the 80s do you want to use do you want to go use college you want to use 18 or do you want to use 22 let's use 18 okay so 65 minus 18 is 47 years so you're working for about 47 years well we're only talking about 40 years ago so that's one person's career. One, per- It's only been about the length of one person's career. So what I'm getting at is that, do you really think that it's been long enough to completely eradicate the history of women having not really been in the workplace? Do you really think- that Kind of, yeah. We'd be, dollar, mean, we'd be dollar for dollar? We're, we're, I, I think we're still playing catch up. Well, see, the, the issue with the okay, so we need to we need to put like um, we need to understand like what we're talking about when we talk about the pay wage gap because when all I hear when I hear the pay wage gap is I'm going to work, he's going to work, he's getting paid more than me, I'm being paid less. That is and that does I'm happen. Doing. That does happen. Where does that happen at? Huh? Where does that happen at? Uh, if you're talking about performance, you know, I only know anecdotally. I only know anecdotally where it happens. I can't okay. give you a list of what happens, but I have a friend who went to work for like an engineering firm and she went to go get her evaluation or whatever. And I guess, you know, employees talk. She found out that she started the same time as this guy, has the same amount of education that she this guy she works with, and she's getting paid less than him. So okay. 
for her raise, she asked for, you know, a certain amount because she felt like she should get be getting paid the same amount. But so it, it happened. But we don't know. But OK, so we don't know what happened within in that situation. We don't know why. That, that's the problem that I'm kind of kind of throwing in here. We don't know. We don't know that situation. We don't know why. When I started working at the job, not, not the job I'm at now, but the job I was working at before, when I first went in there, I was getting paid very close to what a manager was getting paid. So anybody in so anybody in there could say, hey, listen, why is he getting paid? He just can't, like he knows nothing about this about this job. Why is he coming in here making making as much money, almost making as much money as I'm making? And that I mean that has I don't I, I, I don't want you to think because I I I doubt and I hope it's not what's happening. So I don't want you to think that the decision makers in a company are sitting around deciding on people's salaries going, oh, well, he's a man, so let's let's chalk on an extra 10,000. I don't think that's how it's happening. I think it's just implicit bias where someone might come up with reasons for the man to earn more. I don't think it's, I don't think it's so explicit. I mean, it could be, and if so, that is, isn't that a good thing? So you're saying that a hidden bias is making women not get paid as, I don't I'm don't saying know. it could be I'm saying it could be it could be one of the reasons because you so we switched right first I was saying the historical context but you you wanted to switch from that because you were saying that in in a particular firm two people of the same education and everything like we don't know we don't know that situation we don't know what happened in there like literally he could have went in there and said hey listen either i get paid this or 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 i'm gonna leave and she could let me there, she could have went in there and said she could have went in there and, and been like um you know hey we're gonna we're gonna offer you this and she just took it we don't know what happened in that. charles situation. i'm not saying you're wrong i'm not saying you're wrong what i'm saying is and I want to wrap it up kind of nicely because I think it's I think we're on this little zigzag path. What I'm saying is I believe that on a national basis, right, when you're averaging numbers and you're using data and everything, I believe that the pay wage gap, the gender pay wage gap probably exists because of the historical context attached to it. Okay. Mixed in another factor adding to it could be people's biases, decision makers' biases when they go to hand out salaries and raises. They may be perceiving a man as working harder than a woman. Therefore, he's going to get a $10,000 raise and she gets a $6,000 raise. So these two things together, the historical context and the implicit biases could be the reason. I'm not saying that there's not other reasons that could be completely based on merit. I'm just saying that if it's if it's something that we're noticing a lot, so much so that they put it in the news, so much so that statisticians have, you know, gathered this data, somewhere you might have to consider that it could just be systematic, that it's not all just anecdotal. Let me ask. Let me ask. Um, we're gonna wrap this up, but let me ask you one quick question, a, 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 a scenario, if you want to call it that. Um, let's say a man and a woman are going going or you know they're going for a promotion and the woman has stated in the past and you know and recently that she wants to have a family she wants to get married and have a family and what and what happens is the company 
uses that um uses that to give the man a raise would you, would you say that's unfair sorry to give which man a raise I'm, okay I'm sorry let, let me let me what? Go back. let me redo it again if a, let's say there's a there's a man and a woman that woman says hey she said in the past and she said recently that I want to start a family and I want to I want to um, get married and have kids and everything like that if the company decides to give the man the raise, is that wrong? Oh, like you're talking about her male counterpart in the company? Correct. There's a lot of questions I have. Why is he getting a raise? Is she? Are they both due for a raise and she doesn't get one, but he does get one? Well, uh, yeah, let's just say that they're both due for a raise. They're both due they for a raise. They're, bo- they're both due for a raise, but they choose to give... Um, him the raise because she has stated in the past and recently that she wants to start a family. Well, you're denoting causation by saying that they're doing it because, in which case, I would say that's not okay. <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, not to be funny, but I've known managers. Yeah, that's companies. not that's not okay. I'm, I'm. Not so, so what should so if a company from a discrimination is it not? I would. I would, mm, I mean, yes, I would say I think that. I it is. That's, that's, that's discrimination. But let me let me ask you a question. Why would they pick someone who's who can't work past a certain time versus someone who can work past a certain time? Yeah, you know, I think that's the reasoning that a lot of a lot of firms have is that well, well, she's not going to be here to work. But I also think that. It's not the company's job to make to make it easy for you. I mean, I will say. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, Charles. Actually, that I'm going to disagree with you on. You know why? why? A completely different topic. But you're asking me to work for you. I don't have to work here. I don't have to work here. You want me to work for you, and you know what? Like this, the, you you got me kind of angry with that because I am looking at these trash companies during this whole pandemic who are just treating employees like crap. It's like, you want me to come to work so that your company can stay afloat during this pandemic and you want to treat me like shit and make it hard for me? How dare you? How dare you? I've never- You very well should. I've never seen, I've not seen any companies doing that. It is your firm's job to make it better on you to come to work. It is. Well, we're not to impl- to treat its employees like human beings who have rights, who have families, who have lives. Because if you I agree, I agree. Well, they won't saying. come to work and do the work that you need them to do. I, I agree with, with with what you're saying. I think it's off. I think it's off base of where where yeah, I'm kind it's, of going with it. It's, a, do, it's a different topic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, to, I got you. Got you emotional. That is something I. Yeah, you you, you hit a nerve because that's something I. I <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, agree I, with I, companies treating their employees like crap. So anyway, I, I agree. I agree. I I I think what I'm really um talking about is like, you know, when when someone when someone's willing to work when someone's willing to work past um five o'clock and like work till like eight o'clock but one can only work till five o'clock they're gonna want to hire that person who can work more you know and so that that's why and that's that's just a big thing 
that companies do use, and I've seen I know. it to to just you know to hire or promote certain people. So I don't like I, like listen. I feel like we all make choices in life, and me and you talked about the choices that I made as far as cutting my hair yeah. to get the job to get the job that I wanted. We yeah. all make choices in life, and you know your choices are your choices and you shouldn't really get mad at anybody else for you know for the choices that you decide to make um in your life i mean that that's just how i feel now now the, the pandemic situation and companies treating their employees like shit that's completely that's i completely think you should different. do a different episode on that <laughs> oh my god do you, listen you're not the only person that can be angry about that there's so many people oh, it's ridiculous Oh my God! Because yeah, it's I, absurd. I, anyway, yeah, it, it is. but <laughs> it is. don't even. But anyway, so but to go back to what you were saying, okay, so uh, yeah, I do think there's probably a lot of companies that use the justification that oh well, if she's going to be pregnant and she's going to have a baby, she's not going to be here to work. Why should we pay her more? Why should we pay her X X Y Z? <sighs> I guess I don't know how to handle that one no you do know how to handle it you just don't well because to a certain to a certain degree i see the logic but after but i also see the hypocrisy right like women are the all women if all women everywhere were like yeah nah i'ma just not have baby i gotta work the human race would die you do know that right like like the logic so like there's also another logic there that just doesn't make sense it's like well if we make it really hard for women to have babies they're not gonna have babies i think the united states fertility rate already went down so you know well that's because of us yeah we're not far off but um i i see i see the logic and i see the logic that goes against that first logic so i don't know how I feel about it, honestly. I, uh, so um, I can't believe it. Like, actually, I have this in my head. It's a Harvard business study where it says that women who take off one month for fraternity come back and get promotions. If you take off more than one month, your pro- your promotion um, decreases. And um, Harvard Harvard business, I did, did um, uh, uh, a re- research on this, and like, there are women who are out there who choose to take these long fraternities which i'm not which listen if you have a kid take as long as you fucking want you know what mm-hmm. i mean but at the at the end of the day you know you can't get mad at you know at bill who is at work working past where he's he, he should be working and they're like you know what i'm gonna go ahead and give this guy you know a promotion it does suck i do i do agree that it does suck but you know when a guy has a kid with him and his wife have a kid she um they don't give him any time off. You know, like they should give him time um, off. Um some companies do give paternity kids. leave. They give maternity and they give paternity leave. Yeah. That's a thing. For men? Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, it, it, but it's not but it's not it's not mandatory, correct? I like, it's not by it's not by law. It's not I don't law. think so. I think companies yeah. do it by choice. Yeah, yeah, and so so with women it's like by law. And then secondly, a lot of men I don't know, man. Like, like, I think me, Ray, and some other people have some discussions. Oh, and Cody has some discussions about this. Whereas some men are going to want to take off work and some men aren't going to want to take off work. So regardless, it's, you know, it's just going to be men going rising to the top while women are still at home until, you know, if, unless a woman wants to hire a nanny or something, I wouldn't want to hire a nanny to wash my kids. 
So basically, I think women at this point are just, we're very, like all of us are very well aware that choosing to have a kid, having a kid, whatever, um, can derail our careers. Um, I think all women are aware of it. I think we know that it sucks, <laughs> but I think it's at this point, we probably treat it, or at least personally speaking, it's like we treat it. Um, similar to the way, you know, you and your dreads, it's like, this is a sacrifice I'm going to make, or it's something I'm not going to make, and I'm just going to have to find something else and move on to the next. Um, this is a personal question. You do not have to answer it. How do you feel about having kids? Um, I would like to have kids. I understand that they would require taking off time for my career. Um, but it's something I'd like to fit in. I'm also at this point in my life um, not someone who's like oh man, I want to climb the entire ladder and be CEO. So, I mean, but that could change. All, all of it could change. At this point in my life, I would like to have kids and I would like to have a successful career where success is defined by my terms. I would agree that it does, it's, it does seem like at when when a woman hits like 30 you have to start you have to make a decision either you're gonna climb your way up to the top and then have kids or you're gonna say okay you know what i, I want i want kids i'm just gonna do that and then you just have kids and then you stay you stay where you're at like, like that it seems like when a woman hits 30 they have to make that decision because you know you can't you can't like you can't like have. I mean, you. Can, I guess you can't have kids at forty. So it's it's. I believe it's biologically harder to have kids after the age of thirty-five. Um, so somewhere in there, in that age range, yeah, you you probably should start deciding what your kid situation is gonna look like. You know, uh, us having this conversation makes me feel bad for females now. Usually, usually I'm a, usually I'm a hard ass when it comes to females, but <laughs> like this is good. Actually you should me feel, feel bad. bad. You should feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Feel bad. <laughs> All right, Olivia. This was this was super awesome. Thank you so much for doing this again. Like you know, I I know I know you might be so super busy and stuff like that. So I'm you know I'm glad you really could do this for me. I appreciate it. Again. All right, definitely. All right, have a good one, Olivia. Bye. Bye. I want to jump back. I want to jump on. I want to jump on the uh, um, the on, okay. on black on the black community. Okay. So um, there was. A very, very heated debate. Um, I think it was like a week ago about you. You know, we always hear the whole thing about how the black community is this. You know, it's just bad. This, this, and that. I don't want to really uh, express my views just yet. You guys can go. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I mean, for all the new users, thank you guys for uh, uh, subscribing. But for all the new users. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to save my um, views after you guys speak your views about like what some of the issues are. Well, we had a podcast in the black about community. this last year, Charles. That didn't make it, didn't we? Uh, that one, that uh, that podcast. Um, I'll tell you why later. Why it didn't get um, um, posted, but 
that podcast really um actually lightened up my my eyes to some stuff but uh olivia can you, amanda you, was able to enlighten you about some stuff that's awesome good job because <laughs> I know right, you, you down, take Olivia. some convincing sometimes, calm, Charles. Calm down, Olivia. Calm <laughs> down. It, it was a little bit. It was a little bit. Okay, Amanda. Amanda's very oh, persuasive. Sorry, I Good. jumped into awesome. to a great compliment. So did we get disconnected? Yeah, you, yeah, you, we okay. did, but don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But uh, Olivia, I want I want you to start. Tell me what specifically you think is like the issue of the black community? I mean, it's really a systemic problem. Um, Generational poverty is cyclical. And so, yeah, you get some black people who who have their come up stories and are able to make it out, do really well for themselves, but they're not the majority. Um, The majority is I won't say the majority actually because I don't know the numbers on that, but those I do know that those people are not the majority. There are still many, many people who are not able to break out of the cyclical um, poverty and stay in it. And there's actually studies about how being in poverty as a child makes you more likely to stay in poverty as an adult. Yes, I, I agree yeah, so it's that. not something that's easily broken. Um, Amanda. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to piggyback and say that I 100% feel the same uh, statements as Olivia just made. Um, So I don't need to repeat myself on that. Absolutely. And then I'll just add on to that just to kind of give a background on what the cyclical poverty is, because somebody that may be listening may say, well, why can't they just pull themselves up by their bootstraps it's not that easy you know African Americans were brought over as slaves and it hasn't even been a full 200 years that slavery was abolished and wait real real quick real real quick Amanda because you brought it up and I know someone that's listening is going to be like wait 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 don't you know know, so real quick I want to ask you Black people, black people were not the only ones that were slaves. So what? So what would you uh, these say? These are the to people that, that are saying that. the Irish were slaves, and people treated Italians like shit when they came over here. What I say to that is, yeah, you guys had it rough, but then uh, you had it rough for maybe what a good twenty, thirty, maybe forty years, but uh, then y'all came on the come up and realized your skin was white, and now you're fine. So that's that's <laughs> what I'm going to say to that. Uh, <laughs> This is something that affects, what is, is it uh, 23% of the, of the American population? The 20, I don't know if you guys, I don't know what the percentage of us are African American, but um, I mean, that's a big chunk of people. And so first of all, let's, let's get just a little bit psychological here. There are studies that confirm that trauma gets passed down. So now you're adding Mm -hmm. passed on trauma from our ancestors of the past two to 300 years. And then the fact that, you know, once slavery was abolished, we had sharecropping where, can I swear? You have sharecropping where you didn't get shit from that. So you have nothing to pass on to your children. 
And then our, you know, great grandparents, they went to work. They thought they were going to get themselves a good job, buy their first house. Guess what? Redlining came in. Then we weren't allowed to buy property or get approved for loans again. So where, where could we afford to live? The projects, those are affordable for you. They're cheap. You know, you can be with people just like you, separate but equal. And, and this just continues to manifest itself. Well, quick black background for myself. No, I am no, no. I half got black and half Mexican. I grew up on poverty on both sides. So I'm from generational poverty. Yeah. I myself, I'm unemployed right now, but I consider myself to be middle class because that's the sector that I work in. Um, you know what I mean? And, and from what I understand, you know, your your national background is, is different than that of like a black American, right? Yeah, from what I understand, Charles, I believe yeah, your parents I, were yeah, immigrants, my... were they not? So I think that adds were, a whole other layer to yeah, it. So immigrants you are, you are... come to this country for a reason, and I can see how they would want to teach their kids certain things. You don't immigrate to a new country just to go poor. I, there are a lot of people who immigrate and are poor, but I can guarantee you that wasn't their intention. Well, I, I, um, I just, I feel like. You know, if, if 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 it's so hard for me to, to to talk about this because I'm not trying to come off as in you know what black people over here and my black people are <laughs> over here. I'm, I'm not trying to be that person, but it just seems like there are two types of uh, thinking when it comes to being black. It's stop. It's like don't act ghetto. Act you know go about your business. Or and then there's the you know they're ghetto. Uh-huh. They do this. They do that. We're not far. Because if you go to Nigeria right now, if you go to Nigeria right now and you ask someone about a black American, they'll say black, those ghetto people well, over there, the no, thing. we're not, we're, we're mean, not with them. We're you not know, them. America is unique because, I mean, and I'm not saying that the other countries don't have this, but America is unique because, you know, new races were created out of this. So Native Americans, their own race. Uh, you know, even white people, they're a mixture. I, anytime I ask a white person, they're never just from one European country. They're from several. <laughs> they're from like five. Again, they make their own white race, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers. And black people, black Americans, African Americans, that is their own race. So we all have our own unique customs, cultures, yeah. way of life, speaking. We've got our own type of English, each and every one of us. So like, I mean, anything you do when you go overseas, you know, like like you said, if a black person goes to Africa, we're not going to be the same. If a white person goes to Germany, it's not going to be the same. Like we have different customs. How many white people are in Nigeria? I don't imagine there's many. So. There's not there's not a lot. It's hard for a country that is primarily black and has okay so here in america you can be denied loans jobs opportunities because you're black no no one does it blatantly because it's against the law but it still happens it is hard for a country people of a country that is primarily one color to fathom that that is happening here and that that on a systemic level is hindering the success of an entire race of people that's hard for them to understand. Absolutely. There's only like Absolutely. one color, skin color in that country. 
they don't get it. Yes, that's that's what that ties up what I was trying to say earlier. I would agree. I would definitely agree that you know they see a lot of stuff on the media in the media and on TV, so it make it, it's it gives yeah. that impression. Um, that uh, that all black people are like this, but at the same time, do you at all think that black people have a responsibility to change the circumstances? Like, I get that every I get people have issues. Like, like we all have we all have issues. We all have certain things we have to deal with. I, I wasn't able to get my goddamn my, my, the job that I'm at now. I couldn't even get it because I mean I had to fucking cut my fucking yeah. dreads off. Okay, that fucking sucks. That fucking sucks. But I had to Why? fucking because do it if I wanted to get a fucking wanted job. Your dreads off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I did. You could say you you could put it like that if you want. You could put it like that. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the but the point the point is like like. If you're looking at it as oh the white man this or the white man that, it could be it could be just we don't want we don't want you know we have clients that we work with that you know that might that because that look might make them feel a certain way like I, like I, yeah it's we true. all have prejudice and bias though. But, all, but why should I tell somebody, bias, well, though, you so we, might so, make so this, my clients uncomfortable if your hair looks this way? Because it could be the same thing for like a man or a woman who is who dresses who dresses a certain way when they come to work. Like someone might want to wear might want to show their personality through their through how they dress. And they're like, you know what? We don't want you to dress like that. Because so, but Charles, your original, your original question was, do black have some of the responsibility for their success or lack of success. I'm going to tell you to this yes. to an extent, yes. But there's also a large extent to which they're not responsible. And also, I mean, to your point about hair, yeah, if I felt like my hair was going to be the reason I don't get a job, I could cut it off because I want this job. But that's I, the fundamentals of that aren't okay. I shouldn't have to cut my hair off the way it not I mean, dreads aren't growing naturally. You shouldn't have to cut your hair yeah. the way it naturally No, I get head. that, but that's that's the point that I'm that's the point that I'm making. But that's the point that I'm making is that we all have to do certain things to assimilate assimilate to whatever Who's environment, environment are we are we that we're in. And it's I'm like, getting a little hot. We right were born now. here. Yeah, we were born here. This is no, 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 you're, you're ta- not, now you're taking it to like, I mean, your people that. are going to think I'm that I hate about... white people and uh, little do they know I'm sleeping next to a nice big old pasty boy every night. Uh, oh God, he, oh God. He's just going to have to feel, take it because honestly, feel... you know, my passion intensifies the more that we go into this oh my god the more america moves into this craziness this backwardness that we've gotten into we've made some progress and then just a few short years ago it feels like we've just went so far backwards and so you know that's just it just heightens for me 
Well, well, I I agree. I agree that um, there are so many things that can stop black people from prospering. I just feel like I just feel like at the end of the day, just kind of keep it, just kind of keep it moving. Like 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 we can make a fuss all we want, but how, like when is it going to change? Like I'm seriously tired of hearing people making a fuss. Like I don't really care about the um, the marches and the in the, the making a fuss anymore. The memes on Facebook, I don't care about that anymore. Let's make some action and let so, let us go forward from that. I, if we're I not going to do what that, what you're saying, I mean, it, honestly, it's not exactly incorrect. I just there's different types of people, and what you've chosen for yourself is to figure out how to best operate in a world where even though the odds are stacked against you, you're going to make whatever sacrifices you have to and assimilate however you have to, to succeed. And then there's people who think, no, I will not cut my hair. I will not talk a certain way. I will not have to change things about who I am in order to succeed. I should be able to succeed just the way I am. There you go. It. Okay, that, that, yeah. now, that, now how you just said that is either. beautiful. How, so, how you said that is completely I don't beautiful. Think, I don't think person one or person two is wrong. I just think, I think you have to figure out what works best for you. And Charles, you chose what, best, what works best for you. That is very lovely, the way you said that. I, again, agree. Yeah, I agree. That. The, yeah, I agree. The way you said that was, was, was perfect. Because at the end of the day, if my, if I didn't do, like, if my mom found out that, hey, like, oh, you didn't get that job because you decided not to cut your hair. Like what? Like what the hell is your problem? And she gave me a whole lecture about, you know, about you know, you need to do what you need to do to get them to um, to get like the good job, mm-hmm. the good house, the good car, the good this, the good that. Like my mom is very is very. She's more. She's more of like, you know, fucking be a man versus my dad. My dad's like, you know, oh, you know, I don't really care, you know, you know, or my. You know, like he doesn't like he's like, you know, you, oh, you want you want to grow your hair longer? Cool. Grow, grow longer. He, he doesn't care. But my mom is like, you need to have the good job, the good house, the good, good car, the good, the good woman, the good this, the good yeah. dad. I'm almost like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? So it, when, when when that's in, when that's like put on you, that's kind of like like that's kind of how you go about your life versus. And that's why I wonder, like, that's why I think about like with black parents what are we doing i mean none of us are parents but like what what are black parents doing to instill in their kids hey you need to make it in this world no matter what is stacked against you graduate go to college even if it's a community college go to um, go to college get a good job work your way up the company fucking retire and you know you live a good life do yourself a favor and do a whole nother episode on parenting um and even the racial differences between parenting because i mean not even just black and white but the whole when the whole tiger mom book thing uh was a was like this big rage even that even the way that the stereotypical asian parents i mean it differs and that's good stuff you know because you know i mean just thinking about off the top of my head other things like that it's just like okay well what's the mental health state of certain demographic groups you know um that's that's one thing that comes to my mind because it seems very prevalent um 
in both sides of my family as far as just culturally goes like oh Mexicans are hot-headed black people got attitudes and really what it is is these unresolved issues because it's it's a stigma to seek mental health or to even have access to it um you know that not not trying to go yeah, left with what I, you, I with you know suggested really beautifully but that's the first thing that comes to my mind as far as yeah. um it's hard to motivate your children when you feel like you're struggling every day with yourself i agree no i agree with that yeah wow that that makes so much sense and that's that even makes, what you said though with the rich sense. dad poor dad is that i honestly if if a poor dad can tell his son or his daughter uh i may not be doing so hot but like i have amazing dreams for you and you need to act like this and you need to carry yourself like you are he's doing an amazing job right like yeah he, he's surpassed bare minimum there are so many people out there that are so concerned with with paying next month's rent that they 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 can't they can't do that for their kids and it sucks but honestly i think that's one way that the underrepresented and underserved communities have been controlled is psychologically we operate out of scarcity when you operate out of scarcity you can't you can't imagine some dreams when you can't even know if you're going to have a house to live in next month that that's so like that's so right you're i mean like that literally just blew my mind like like if a dude if a dad who can barely pay his rent and say hey listen i'm not doing hot but listen, I, I mean, you can do this and you can do that. Like, you know, uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. I, I totally agree with you. All right, guys, uh, we're back and I have Amanda here. I have Amanda here. OK, so Amanda, how are you doing? I am fine. How are you, Charles? Oh my gosh, quarantine's uh, a bitch, but we're, <laughs> we're getting we're getting through it. Um, okay, so we last we last kind of left off on um, we were basically talking about um, poverty in the black community and stuff, and like what's the cause, how can we fix it, you know, um, and stuff like that. So um, I wanted to touch back on a couple things real quick. So. I, I know, I, like, I get the sense that you feel like, for lack of better terms, that you feel like I, that I'm shucking and jiving for the white man. No, no. So one thing you brought up was slavery. And I think I, think I mentioned, uh, when are we going to let that go? And can you can you touch back on that and, and like? And I mean, it's it's that? hard to let go when there's still after effects and like those aftershock tremors that still occur with it systemically. I mean, um, you know, as I'm, I think I remember Olivia and myself kind of discussing in the previous podcast that we recorded. Um, you know, a lot of things snowballed into what we have today because of slavery so if it was so if slavery would have been abolished and then we instantly would have been accepted as equals to everybody else then yeah maybe we would have had you know some change some progress maybe we could you know quote unquote late let slavery go for to an extent or another but because you know slavery ended in the 1860s and then there were still lingering effects of that of slaves like in 
Texas that had, didn't even hear about it till like three years after. And then after that, you go into sharecropping where they didn't have, you know, equal opportunities to own land, even though they were supposed to. And then that leads into um, voting rights, still didn't get any. Then that leads into, you know, coming into the, the 20th century with wanting to buy homes and properties, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, redlining is real. Um, not being approved for loans is real. Wait, real quick, real quick. Can you can you give uh, a quick definition of redlining? Sure. Redlining just uh, just basically. I'm getting gerrymandering and redlining confused. I know gerrymandering is like districts for political gain but redlining is essentially like just creating like another boundary um to be just it's like another obstacle that somebody has to go through to basically get financing for a home um it's it's discrimination do you, do you at all feel do you at all feel that black people play a part of what goes on in their community like let's just let's just um you know make it clear that yeah there there are some systemic things going on that's making it hard for black people we get we get that what are like do you think that black people at all um create or assist in any of what goes on in the black community when it comes to um, not, not prospering like other communities. Amanda, oh, I think we lost Amanda. We're gonna wait till she comes back. Hello. Yep, I'm here. Are you back? Yes, okay. I did. Right. I, so what I think you're trying to say is that while you acknowledge there are obstacles that have been in place since slavery ended um, that make it harder to advance and prosper as a black community, you're also asking, do you feel like that there is some firsthand responsibility in also not being able to advance? Correct. Truthfully, there might be a little bit of that. There might be. Do, out of curiosity, w- would you would you have anything offhand? Or my, I mean, my my main thing is that you know is that black men need to need to step the fuck up in their community. That like that. But above all, anything else that I have, you know, I think it's mostly black men need to step the fuck up and take hold of their own community. But is there anything specifically that you feel like is... um, Well, it's a yes and no question. It's very complicated. And the complications go back to, like I mentioned in the previous podcast, they they go back to mental health and poverty. And those things go hand in hand. If you don't have resources to afford proper mental health, then you don't get the mental health you need. If you grew up in a culture where addressing mental health issues is not a concern, and that's for most people of color, um, then you're not gonna get the mental health you receive. 
if you are struggling going from check to check or not receiving assistance you know in the timely fashion that you need it to take care of your family that can also create stress depression anger and then that's going to you know affect your mental health over top of that um you know if you are finding quick ways to get money whether it's selling drugs selling your body um you know hustling doing hair you know cooking make selling plates like whatever it is you know that people might want to do for a hustle um those kind of grinds also cause a lot of stress because well number one because they're they're pretty much illegal or not regulated and so there's a lot of stress of you know trying to stay underneath the radar of the law and also trying to you know um maintain your reputation with your community so all of this is stress and pressure affecting mental health in you know communities of poverty communities of color black community specifically um so it's not as easy just to say well black men need to step up i mean yeah we could say that colloquially you know between between sisters we may say yeah you know man where the black men at where they gonna stand up da 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 da, da. but but ultimately, you know, that's not fair. That's not fair to say, hey, this one type of person needs to help change this. This one type of person needs to help fix this. We as a community need to lift each other up and blah, blah, blah. I hear that a lot from well-meaning friends too. Like, we as a community need to lift each other up and band together and da, da, da. Like, yes, absolutely we do. But those kinds of words fall on deaf ears when you're worrying about how you're going to eat. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm always going to be like, 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 like I talked about in the last podcast, I don't believe, I, I think it's hard for women to, um, build wealth and spread within their community. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll probably never have a different view than, than that, uh, when it comes to like, um, you know, women build like, 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 now, when you say that, like, like do you, what do you feel is the origin of that uh, opinion that you have? Like, what do you feel is like? Okay, where, what are these the facts or the truths that you've experienced that led lead you to 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 make that statement? So, it, um, let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk for a little bit while I think about like the facts. <laughs> but um, whenever I look at like different communities. Um, from Jewish, Chinese to uh, just Polish, um, all types of different white communities. They're all, they're, you know, if you look at them, one thing that they have consistent is the man is running the community. Whether it, whether people want to say that's sexist or whatever the case may be, the one thing that have, they have consistent is the man is building is, is wealth building within that community. He's built. He, um, he, he's strong within his family. He's, um, he's, you know, like, so when I see that and then I don't see that in the, um, in the, um, black community, it's one of the reasons why I say that, like, like I said, women aren't building, aren't, aren't building wealth within that, within the black community. Women are running, women are running the black community and they're not building any wealth. They're, they're busy, run, they're, they're busy working their asses off, trying to raise kids you know, it's 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 becoming it's becoming to me it's just becoming um, it, um, an evident problem that hey listen if black men can consistently 
just be um be in the black um, black neighborhood and take hold of it like how like like women the, the way women gain wealth majority of the time or especially individual wealth is by by a transfer of wealth from the man where it where, whereas where if the let's say the woman gets uh the woman gets uh mm-hmm. pregnant she gets she gets she gets child support from the man if a, if a, if a, if a single mother if a single mother has a son who becomes an NBA player he buys her a house mm-hmm. he, he, um, he he gets her money he gives her money uh, if a, if a woman if a woman um, is in a marriage and she gets if they get a divorce the man the, the man um, is giving her money it's always like a man transferring wealth to a woman and so if whether whether that's by choice because women choose choose different things whatever the case may be it's obvious that men are building the wealth in these communities and that's why I always say if a black man can just if black men can just you know step up and and, and take hold of their of their communities then these these maybe we maybe we can find some type of understanding and calmness do you um I mean I think that that's I think that's fairly laid out. I don't see a lot of holes that I could poke in that. Um, but did you ever wonder, because this is what I wonder, do you ever wonder if like a chicken and an egg kind of theory? Like if the if this is a particular community that is matriarchal, then it's kind of like a nurture nature type of experience where, okay, I've seen that the woman is the leader. Like if you are psychologically accustomed to the woman being the the head of the household do you feel like it would be kind of a hard concept to be like oh i need to be a man and step up like not saying that either one is correct or either one is true but that's where my brain goes is i can only good point do what i've been shown i can only demonstrate what i've been taught yeah, that that's actually a very good point. But that brings me right back to where if a black man can teach another black man how to fish, a black man can teach another black man how to um, how to raise a family, raise a strong family, go to school, get your education, be, you know, you know, come back. Like, why do? And this is this is weird for me to be saying because I'm a black man, but it's like like why are like. Why don't we see like these black lawyers and black doctors, you know, stay within the community? Like, like we're always seeing like leaders, like, like we're always seeing like either political leaders or like um, church leaders that are men in the community. Like, why aren't we seeing like men, like, like men coming, like, um, I'm sorry, richer men that come out of poverty, go into the community and like. And like start building something in there. Like like LeBron James mm-hmm. built a fucking school. That is fucking amazing. He built a fucking school. He's helping he's helping people in a in a low privilege area. They get to go to fucking um what's the, I don't know what the mm-hmm. college they get admission to college after they graduate. That is how you fucking build a community. And it just pisses me off when I when I when I know what we can do. I know what what can what can be done. But it, you know, what I mean, it, it it seems so simple to me, but like we don't do it, and it's frustrating. And then like, and then all, whenever we have these conversations, you know, it's always like black people are yelling at each other, and this, this and that. It's just like it's just 
like like I don't know. Did you did you see that um that one um panel? It was like no. T.I. and mm-hmm. uh, Candace Owens. Okay, and they're just on stage yelling at each other. It's just like it's just like that's all that ever happens when this topic here's, comes up. It's here's, frustrating. Okay, you know? so obviously I think you and I have a nice friendship and I think there's a lot of respect for our friendship so I, if I ask you a question candidly please know that it's just a candid question okay um, with a candid statement I know. and I would say you know I guess so I have a question and then I have a statement so my question is um, you being uh, uh, an offspring of wealthy immigrant parents, or I don't know if you're wealthy or if you're just well off, um, but better off than, than the average bear, let's say. Um, you being, Correct. you know, of an immigrant descent, uh, so you're, you're first generation American, is that right? Okay, so you being first generation yes. American um, with parents who are fairly well off you know you know they they worked and you know and 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 did that come before your parents the wealth or did they create that i'm I'm kind of setting up like what i'm trying to say um i think i i I think they came they they didn't come over here wealthy i I think i think my parents were like roughly had money Mm -hmm. like in nigeria like maybe not like maybe not not like a lot but like you don't most poor people in Nigeria don't make don't come Got to America. Got you. you okay. So, so roughly. So roughly, immigration is a peer, is, is a privilege. Okay, over there. Okay. Um. So just basically laying that out, you being a first generation American to immigrant parents who were fairly upper middle class to wealthy. Um. I guess my question to you would be, what is your passion for? you know, understanding, wanting to further understand and see what's basically what's your investment in the black American community? You know, the culture that was created after different nations of Africa were forced to come together in America and create culture because they didn't know their culture or they were so far removed from their tribal culture, um, you know, that we had to create one. So number one, I would guess I would ask what your investment in that would be. And then my statement to go with that would be tread lightly. Now, I only say that because, you know, there are differences culturally. Like if I were, you know, okay, let's just state my facts. I'm half black American and I'm half Mexican American. I am third generation American on the Mexican side of my family. So, you know, if I like want to talk about the rights of Mexican Americans or black Americans, I have the privilege to do so. I have, you know, full privilege to do so. Um, But if I'm going to talk about, let's say, uh, a Latino community. Wait, so you're saying, so you're saying that because because I was my parents were Nigerian that I don't I shouldn't really have a stance in what I'm no what I'm saying is that you know we've had this conversation before and I do know that this to be true that that 
people coming from African origin in very recent times do see themselves differently from the Black American, as does a European see themselves differently from a white American. We're just, we're different. It's, it's completely different culture. You not having been brought up in that, maybe, you know, you know, at least with your family line, I guess I would ask what your investment would be, especially seeing yourself as different. And with the knowledge that I know of, you know, um, African immigrants kind of perhaps feeling a bit superior to the average black American. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to try yeah. to suss out everything that you're saying. So, so my my parents do my I, I will say is do my parents look at um, black Americans differently than they do when they would do Africans? Yes, Every, like, most most Africans look at themselves. And can I put myself on the chopping block real look- quick, just to keep it fair, and then I'll let you Go keep ahead. going. So, like I said, you know, my I grew up primarily in a Mexican-American household, and I can tell you that they do not relate to the Mexican immigrants that come into America. So I, I understand the I understand the shoes on both feet. Just just putting it out there. Yeah. Um, yes, most most Africans look at Black Americans differently. They don't. They they do. I, I don't know if I will use the word superior, but they don't like how Black Americans act. They don't like how Black Americans uh, live their lives and look at their culture. Me, I was born in I was born in um, America. My uh, I've lived my my first my first ten years my first ten year ten or twelve years I was I lived in Texas. You know, uh, we lived in a suburb. My my uh, dad got a teaching job. My dad, I'm sorry, my mom got a teaching job at a college in Georgia. We moved to Georgia, and I was around nothing but black people. I didn't, we, I, I, I didn't see any white people unless I had to go all the way to, to the north side of Georgia to see white people. So I so I spent most of my high my uh, middle school. Um, junior high, high school, and college around black people. I don't see myself I don't see myself as different. I have the same skin tone as another black person so I'm not necessarily looking at myself as, because anybody else is going to see me as I'm black. Nobody's going to say I agree. I agree. Black is black to this world. Yeah, so I don't look at myself any, any differently. What I do, what I do have a problem with is that, and why I'm invested is because I, when I was around black people, there were there were ways like there, the ways that that black people would act, I did not like, I didn't approve of, you know what I mean? Like I didn't like the certain the certain behaviors that were that that were exhibited by black mm-hmm. people, you know what I mean? And so it you know, and so my personal my personal opinion was when you know when we have these discussions i feel I, I i mean i don't know about investing but i mean my my opinion is like hey listen this needs to change i don't see why it's so hard for us to for us to come together and change and change on this i'm black you're black we all should we all should you know come together and just and, and make and make everything right but i get that, that. yeah and the eyes of a racist they're gonna shoot you anyway he's black yeah yeah 
and I don't, and I honestly don't think, and it's, it's a fuck, it's, it's a fucked up, you know, way of thinking. I, I admit, I don't think it'll ever change. I think it will always be. I think the black community will always be what it is. I think, in, I think black individuals might be different. Will they'll, they'll always be successful black individuals. I just don't think that there's ever gonna be. I don't know if there's ever gonna be like um, the uh, the black community like you know shifting gears and becoming like more on par with you know, like historically American Asian exactly. communities. Whereas, well, exactly. like in that game exactly. we played, that we all found out that the highest population of individuals in poverty were Asian. But you know, we're looking at it's a difference between an Asian immigrant and an Asian American that's been here for the last you know hundred years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I get, I get exactly. that. I get and, that. Yeah, and it, you know, I mean, like, like I don't know, like, like I don't like I'm, I don't understand, you know, how how it'll ever get like like how it'll, it'll ever get better. I mean. I've said I've said what I felt like you know is the problem, um, and I, I, until I guess I'm, until I'm proven different, I, I just don't see it getting better from that. And you know what I mean, um, and that's why I want I actually wanted to have this conversation like with you because you you have the I just feel like you have I don't want to say the most intellect. I'm not gonna big your head up like that, but like the most the most to say about it well you know i mean it took me a long time to accept who i was as a black person because like i said i grew up in a mexican american household so you know that was what i was exposed to i also grew up in a household where interracial dating was very common and the neighborhood i grew up in it's interracial dating was very common so Growing up, really nobody I knew was messing around anybody with their own skin color. So, you know, I grew up thinking, you know, oh, he's my opposite. Like, I'm going to go for it, you know. And, and that's the only way that I can explain, you know, my attraction to dating interracially, you know. So, like, not to, like, go into that subject, but, you know, just to give you a, a background of that, you know, that's kind of been my experience and so i also grew up in pop but you so you've never dated uh -uh. a black guy before no. you know and oh, and wow. i mean but my dad was the same way my dad he dated um my dad the black man he dated mexican and white women and then my mom dated every race except for mexican pretty much <laughs> and then all my uncles my mexican uncles dated white women yeah yeah um yeah. Wow. And that's, then that's, that's and then when growing up in Toledo, the side of town that I was on, you know, we were all culturally intermixed. Like dating outside your race was not an issue at all. The only and the one thing we had in common was we were poor. So I got well, poverty wait, in common with a lot of people. So I understand poverty. Let me ask a question. Do you like? And this might be slightly sure. slightly off topic, but do you? Um, do you do you adhere to that whole thing where I don't date black guys because of this, or I don't date black women because of this? Like, do you, like no, not you, at all. 
Not at okay, all. That's okay. like, this is me rationalizing why I would date interracially. Like, because I have no, no, like, concept of understanding. Like, I have no, I have no knowledge of why I've dated interracially. Like, I have no idea why. I have no idea why. You know what I'm saying? So you're saying, so no guy, no black guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've, like, I've dated some. Like, I've never had, like, a serious, like, intimate or sexual relationship, like, with a black guy. Like, I've never had. So you've never had. <laughs> hey, hey, I know you're curious now. <laughs> no. Okay, I, sorry. I, I almost yeah, jumped yeah, into yeah, you're right, like, oh, you're right, you're right. I'm like, oh, no, shit, right. we're on podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah. To answer your question, Yes. I guess that, okay. Yeah, you know, that's and, and that's the thing. Like, I can't uh, describe it because I'll tell you what, like, like, yeah, I mean, of course, black guys are totally attracted to me. I'm fucking, I'm sexy. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's obvious. And I, I guess I would say of the black guys that have been attracted to me that could have been good candidates, I mean, you know, as far as, like, having things in common, I probably have... Some, I'd probably have something in common with like one out of every ten black guys that maybe has approached me. So like, I mean, that's just. Uh, yeah. Okay, Amanda. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but I got to dig deeper. <laughs> I got to dig a little deeper. Let me ask you a question. So, so you don't? Do you feel you have um, things in common with more with white guys than black? Unfortunately, guys? yes unfortunately and that's okay. only in basic like interests like as far as like compatibility like i'm talking if somebody understands the struggle nobody's gonna understand the struggle more than a black person but like i said basically what i was saying in the first per in the first place was it took me a long time because guess what even though my mom laid down with black men she didn't always respect them you know, she she had her own prejudices on her, and so do other. You know, there's there's a lot of stories that I've heard about. You know, women having children by black men and still being like having prejudice against black people. You know, it's like, like, you know. So, so what what is that? And I had to so, come out yeah, of that. I've so if that, I can but... just close this really quickly, like I had to. I had to figure it out for myself and me being a comedian, I actually have a joke about that. Like I had to really fight to really embrace who I was and not fight so much. It wasn't really a struggle, but like it wasn't until like I was in college that, you know, I was able to have many black friends and it wasn't like, oh, because, oh, they're in college with me, so they're intellectuals. It was just like, oh, here's finally, I'm in a group of people like me who want to get to know you for your brain, want to get to know you because you're fun, not because you dress a certain way, you talk a certain way, you you act this, you act that. And Charles, I don't need to go into detail, but I think you understand what I'm saying. It's like, you know, growing up, like I was, you know, I was rejected a lot by my own people a lot. And it wasn't like the Mexicans were my people well, because I don't physically look Mexican. So like I had rejection on both sides. So yeah, I mean, at growing up. Wait, because of how you look? Um, 
Well, from the Mexicans, like they didn't know I was Mexican. So it wasn't like I was fitting in with them. And then with the black people, I mean, listen, listen to how I talk, you know, my interests, things like that. Like, yeah, you and I have things in common, but I mean, back in the day, like, you know, I'm getting bullied, harassed, picked on this, that, and the other. My hair is not done right, so on and so forth. It's typical stuff that a lot of mixed people go through if they don't have a strong black influence in their family is very, very common um, to be kind of rejected by your own people. So being a mixed person, like y'all, y'all get rejection on both sides. You don't fit in nowhere. Okay. Wow. So yeah, I, I didn't, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really think of it like that at all. I mean, I, I, I mean, like I, I, I don't feel like I have like a, I think it goes on both friends, like big friends and dating. Like I didn't feel like I had like a lot in common with uh, black people. Like you know, I, in you know, I don't know. I think that's that's why I br- in the past in the other podcast I brought up the whole rich dad poor dad thing, where you know a rich dad teaches his son you know how to live, make money, this this and that, whereas a rich a poor dad does not do that. And I think, like, when my parents were, you know, we were living, like, my parents were making, like, really good money, but they were living, like, in the middle class. Like, we didn't move into, like, a really big house until I think we all kind of our senior years. Like, you know what I mean? And I don't know. Like, I, I, I remember being that in that middle class neighborhood and going down the street to where it's a little bit more, um, I guess, the uh-huh. word is hooder. And you would just, you know, it, it, the way people behave, the way people, you know, talked, the way people went about themselves, were, it was just different versus how, you know, people would act when I, when I was in that white neighborhood in, um, in, mm-hmm. in Texas. Even, even when we went to a neighborhood that was like lower income, because they, they had those and there was white people in those neighborhoods, they didn't mm-hmm. act like that. And so I always used to be like, I just don't have anything in common with that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go and, you know, do fucked up shit or hang out with the, the, the drug dealer <laughs> on the, on the, and learn how to, you know, learn how to chop rocks and shit. Like, I don't want to. Yeah. And yeah. I get I, you, I, Charles. I do. I mean, I, I have, I have, you know, my sentiments are very similar. They're very <laughs> yeah. similar. But just like you said, but just like you said, when you went to college, it wasn't about being black or white. It was just, oh, shit, like, you know, I have more in common with these people in college versus, you know, people in, you know, in my neighborhood, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I, I totally get what you're talking yeah, about. And yeah. And, you know, it was just, yeah, just because we're, we're trying to look past, you know, skin color. We're trying to look past on how you grew up we're trying to look past you know all that kind of stuff and just get to know people yeah yeah well hey amanda it's you know what it's always it's always fun having this like discussion with you (laughs) it really is (laughs) even though you get like sometimes you get like a little worked up because i because i I, uh, Uh (laughs) 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 but I love you anyway, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna holler at you later. All right, thanks, Charles. Okay?